Chapter 14. In the house of the countess, in the dark and empty ballroom, the elephant slept. She dreamed she was walking across a wide savanna. The sky above her was a brilliant blue. She could feel the warmth of the sun on her back. In her dream, the boy appeared a long way ahead of her and stood waiting. When she at last drew close to him, he looked at her as he had done that afternoon, but he said nothing. He simply fell into step beside her. They walked together through the tall grass, and the elephant, in her dream, thought that this was a wonderful thing to walk beside the boy. She felt that things were exactly as they should be, and she was happy. The sun was so warm. In the prison, the magician lay upon his cloak, staring up at the window, hoping for the clouds to break and the bright star to appear. He could no longer sleep. Every time he closed his eyes, he saw the elephant crashing through the ceiling of the opera house and landing on top of Madame Levon. The image bedeviled him to the point where he could get no rest, no respite. All he could think of was that elephant and the amazing, stupendous magic he had performed to call her forth. At the same time, he was achingly, devastatingly lonely, and he wished with the whole of his heart to see a face, any human face. He would have been delighted, pleased beyond measure, to gaze upon even the accusatory, pleading countenance of the crippled Madame Levon. If she appeared beside him right now, he would show her the star that was sometimes visible through his window. He would say to her, Have you, in truth, ever seen something so heartbreakingly lovely? What are we to make of a world where stars shine bright in the midst of such so much darkness and gloom? All of which is to say that the magician was awake that night when the outer door of the prison clanged open and two sets of footsteps sounded down the long hallway. He stood. He put on his cloak. He looked through the bars of his cell and saw the light of a lantern shining in the darkened hallway. His heart leaped inside him. He called to the approaching light. And what did the magician say? You know full well what words he spoke. I intended only lilies, shouted the magician. Please, I intended only a bouquet of lilies. In the light from the lantern that Leo Matinee held aloft, Peter could see the magician all too clearly. His beard was long and wild, his fingernails ragged and torn, his cloak covered in a pantina of mold. His eyes burned bright, but they were the eyes of a cornered animal, desperate and pleading and angry all at once. Peter's heart sank. The man did not look as if he could perform any magic at all, much less the huge magic, the tremendous magic of sending an elephant home. Who are you? said the magician. Who has sent you? My name is Leo Matinee, said Leo, and this is Peter Augustus Duchenne, and we have come to speak to you about the elephant. Of course, of course, said the magician. What else would you speak to me of but the elephant? We want you to do the magic that would send her home, said Peter. The magician laughed. It was not a pleasant sound. <laughs> send her home, you say, and why would I do that? "'Because she will die if you do not,' said Peter. "'And why would she die?' "'She is homesick,' said Peter, "'and I think her heart is broken.' "'A homesick, broken-hearted magic trick,' said the magician. "'He laughed again. He shook his head. "'That was all so magnificent when it happened. "'It was also wondrous when it occurred. "'You would not believe it truly. "'You would not, and 
look at what it's come to. Somewhere in the prison, someone was crying, and it was the kind of strangled weeping that Vilna Lutz sometimes gave himself over to when he thought that Peter was asleep. The world is broken, thought Peter, and it cannot be fixed. The magician kept still, his head pressed against the bars. The sound of the prisoner weeping rose and fell, rose and fell, and then Peter saw that the magician was crying too. Great, lonely tears rolled down his face and disappeared into his beard. Maybe it was not too late after all. I believe, said Peter very quietly. What do you believe? said the magician without moving. I believe that things can still be set right. I believe that you can perform the necessary magic. The magician shook his head. No, he said. He said the word quietly as if he were speaking it to himself. No. There was a long silence. Leo Matinee cleared his throat once and then again. He opened his mouth and spoke two simple words. He said, what if? The magician raised his head then and looked at the policeman. What if, he said. What if is a question that belongs to magic. Yes, said Leo, to magic and also to the world in which we live every day. So what if? What if you merely tried? I tried already, said the magician. I tried and failed to send her back. The tears continued to roll down his face. You must understand, I did not want to send her back. She was the finest magic I have ever performed. To return her to where she belongs would be fine magic too, said Leo Matinee. So you say, said the magician. He looked at Leo Matinee, and then at Peter, and then back at Leo Matinee. Please, said Peter. The light from the lantern in Leo's outstretched arm flickered, and the magician's shadow cast on the wall behind him, reared back suddenly, and then grew larger. The shadow stood apart from him, as if it were another creature entirely, watching over him, waiting anxiously along with Peter for the magician to decide what seemed to be the fate of the entire universe. Very well, said the magician at last. I will try, but I will need two things. I will need the elephant, for I cannot make her disappear without her being present, and I will need Madame Levon. You must bring both the elephant and the noblewoman here to me. But that is impossible, said Peter. Magic is always impossible, said the magician. It begins with the impossible and ends with the impossible and is impossible in between. That is why it is magic.